She is a business consultant, speaker, author, and host of the successful Women in Business podcast, Women Conquer Business Podcast. She helps her clients with gratitude-based leadership practices, strategic project planning, and digital marketing. Firecrackers, please welcome Jen. Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark, a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. I'm so happy to have you here because you mentioned that you actually, um, so you were a volunteer at Peace Corps, right? Yes. I really want to know about that because I've been trying to find some sort of volunteer program that I can actually do, you know? And so I would like to hear a little bit about your experience with that. Yeah. So I went to Peace Corps for two years with my husband and it was amazing. We lived in um, Kazakhstan for two years, which is um very cold wow. and also very hot. Yeah, it was fun. So a very unique experience. We were teachers over there. And as a married couple with no kids, why not? Um, and U.S. Peace Corps volunteers, there's no age limit. So even though we were in our 30s, it was perfect because we didn't have any kids. So you can't have any debt if you go into that. And then we're talking about doing it again, you know, in years to come when we retire because we had such a great time. That's great. So you were teaching, what, English as a second language or? Yeah. So the interesting thing about being a Peace Corps volunteer is you're there, you're hired, hired, so to speak, to be volunteers in something that that the country says that they need. But then when you show up, especially um, if you work in a village like I did and my husband did, you kind of fill in the gaps. I mean, the beautiful thing about Peace Corps is if you're doing it in a way that's culturally, culturally competent, you spend most of your time listening and learning and hearing what the actual needs are and then working with the people in the community to see if you can help them fill that need. So we did kind of some unique projects over there. My husband had maybe the most unique one of all in that he was a drummer in a band and he just had a blast like meeting people and they did a couple of concerts and getting to know people. A lot of what I did was still involved with being a teacher I wrote a grant and put on like a huge festival um, for like 500 kids. <laughs> it was insane and a lot of fun. Um, so you could do just about anything. And it's really just about figuring out what it is that people want and what's going to be fun for them and memorable um, and enriching and then seeing if you can do it. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. What differences did you notice when you were there in regards to the American culture? Because you were in a country that is... Middle Eastern slash Asian, and they live in the mountains, is it? Or I, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, <Kazakhstan>. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So Kazakhstan is a former Soviet country, and it's the largest landlocked country in the world. So no oceans, no beaches. And it is, um, it's still the at, the, at the time that we went there. So everything changes um, swiftly. I mean, the fall of the Soviet Union was only in 1991, which isn't really that long to be your own country, so to speak. Uh, so they've changed a lot in 30 years, but 10 years ago while we were there, it was still very Russified, meaning they still spoke a lot of Russian. 
Um, but there was a large rise in the Kazakh language. Um, and in fact, now they are no longer going to be using the Cyrillic alphabet, which I would have loved while I was there because it's really hard to interpret the letters and things like that. Um, and it is largely Muslim. So the Russians are not Muslim, um, but the Kazakhs are. And we lived in a very relatively diverse area of the country um, outside of the former capital, which is called Almaty. Um, we lived with a Turkish family. I worked with um, a Chechen woman and my best friend um, was a Kurd or still is a Kurd. I just haven't seen her for 10 years. <laughs> so, um, so it was incredibly diverse. And the thing that was always the most astounding um, for both of us, and I can speak for my husband here, is that it was just incredibly this, the most hospitable place that I have ever been. So, you know, I met my best friend, Rehan, the Kurd, basically in a way that in the United States, it would be considered a kidnapping. <laughs> but what? in that culture, <laughs> yeah, in that culture, it's absolutely not. I mean, I was like walking home from school one day and this woman like rushes out of her house and is like, you have to come in here. And, and I was like, what? Like, am I, it was at the very beginning of my service. So my skills in Russian were not very good. She's like, come in here, come in here. And so like, I go into this house with these people I don't know. And I sit down and they're like, you must wait. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and so I just start, they just start feeding me and like, I'm drinking tea and I'm like, I don't know how to call my husband. We were living with a host family. I'm like, mama's going to kill me because she doesn't know where I'm at. And I just sat there and I'm just waiting and waiting and I'm kind of freaking out because I don't know what's happening. This is so culturally different from anything that I had experienced before, like kind of being coaxed in off the street. Like it's kind of what, you know, growing up, your mom tells you not to do, you know, yeah. and then after, right. You know, and then after an hour, this beautiful young woman comes in and she can speak English. And the whole purpose of, of this family inviting me inside was so that I could speak English with their niece who lived down the street, who also had no idea I was going to be walking by, <laughs> you know, and so she was a little freaked out too. Um, but it was the beginning of a beautiful friendship in that when you are just open to these experiences, when you don't just go, no, no, I couldn't, I couldn't possibly. And when you're just able to kind of open yourself up to like, well, I don't think they're going to hurt me. So they seem really nice. So I'm just going to go inside this house. <laughs> You know, it was the beginning of this friendship. And I miss Rehan every day because she's not in a place that's like connected, you know, to the Internet or anything. So here's this person that I treasure that I met in this way that I would never meet someone in the United States and whose family, all her entire family, her parents, everybody welcomed my husband and I into their home. And, you know, I spent probably the most time teaching her English. But it was also like all of the things that she was teaching me about um, her life and her experiences. And um, it was just a wonderful, beautiful thing. And so that's the story about Peace Corps that I've just been thinking about so much over and over again, especially because there are so many times where we say no to things and we don't know what beauty would be behind that door if we just took that opportunity. Yeah, I wish I, wish I could say... I'm all for that, but I'm really not. <laughs> I know. <laughs> because I come from such a violent country. You know, Colombia is just, is violent, it's unsafe. You, you can't trust anyone. You're like 
when I'm walking down the street, I can't even pull my cell phone out of my bag, you know, and my car has really dark tinted windows because I don't want anyone to see who's in the car. You know, it's just, it's a whole different universe. And whenever I travel, I still have that little um, spidey sense, you know, I'm just watching the street, who's coming. And I'm just really not very untrustful. (laughs) I would have freaked out if that happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, so the rest of the story is I show up like probably two hours later at the host family where I'm staying. And my husband is like worried sick. My, I still have no idea what mama, that's what we called mama Demira. She was like taking care of us, you know, um, for the first few months that we like lived um, in country because of such harsh conditions. And I mean, she just lost her mind on me, like, because like, I'm not supposed to do that. And she's in charge of my safety. And here I am just like out, you know, and so, and to your point, I mean, later on in our service, my husband and I were mugged. I mean, so it's not like it was this <laughs> entirely safe place or like thing that that I would even advocate people do. It was just sort of that time when my spidey sense didn't say, you know, freak out, like fight or flight. Like, you know, the longer I waited, the more I was like, am I making a mistake here? <laughs> um, but when it, <laughs> when it first happened, I was just like, you know. I'm like looking around. I'm like, it's, it's going to be okay. And it was, thankfully. Um, so yeah, and I totally acknowledge, I mean, there's sometimes when I travel um, in the States and I feel incredibly unsafe. Um, and there've been other times when I've traveled abroad um, that I've also felt, you know, completely safe. So it's, it, it is, I think, very much about our upbringing and our experiences um, and the places where we are. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, that still sounds like a great, I mean, it's a, it's a great story and I still want to go to that country, but I'm just <laughs> amazed that, and, and you know, I see it sometimes here when it, there's a lot of tourists, uh, tourism in Colombia in general, but in my, in my city, they come a lot and I see them just walking around places where I wouldn't walk around, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, <laughs> I'm not telling, nothing happens to them ever, or maybe it does, but it's not as unsafe as it used to be, but you know, so it's a really nice story though. A nice story how you met your, your best friend. But yeah. in one of the comments that I read, because we've been, you know, exchanging information and whatnot, you mentioned that your best friend from your childhood, you lost, was it a her or a him? Yep. A her. Yeah, it was a woman. Okay. You lost her because she wouldn't, she doesn't agree with your choice of, of being child-free. Yeah. Um, and it was a... Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I knew this question was coming too, and it's like still weird to talk about it um, because we just seem to live in this place where everything is so geared toward um, mothers and having kids, and even I mean it's everywhere, right? And so I was sitting down at breakfast um, with this friend of mine that I'd had my entire life, and she just kind of drops this comment on me. Because I, and I can't even remember what it was about. Like we were going to go somewhere, we were going to do something. And she's like, well, you just don't understand because you don't have a family. And I was like, what? And she's like, well, you just don't, you just don't have a family. And I was like, I don't understand what you mean by that. And really what the meaning was, you know, was that I don't have kids. So I mm-hmm. couldn't possibly understand anything. And I've run into this a lot of times, you know, online and in comments and things like that. And it's, it's this 
lack of acknowledgement that we all have families and we all have choices. And it's just that our families maybe look a little bit different because in that comment, it was like, I don't have a husband. <laughs> like I don't have parents. Yeah, like, brother, like they don't, or... Nobody exists. It's just you. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm like, I'm absolutely not an island. And I, it was at that point that I started paying a lot more attention to other kind of, uh, I don't know, comments and things coming from this person. And I was like, you know, I just, I just don't need this in my life because I felt like I was being placed in like a, a as a lesser human. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> For that one decision, you know, yeah. yeah, I was being completely discounted and marginalized. I absolutely agree with you. And this is one of the things that in the childhood community, we talk about this a lot and is about definition of family. Now, and it has to change because there are still so many people out there that think that family means mom, dad, and kids or one mm -hmm. kid or, you know, but it's absolutely incorrect because uh, the bond of family has nothing to do with blood. You know, no. it's, uh, I have a, me and my dog, we're a family. People have to deal with that. You know, me, my dog and my plants. <laughs> oh. And you know, my, people, my dog is right here. <laughs> oh, is that a bossy? Yeah, it's a bossy. Oh, His name is Booker. He's, so he's definitely my kid too. Right. I mean, you, okay. yeah. And, and so, and it is, and some of my best friends are not blood relatives. Yeah. Like, there are people in my family that I am not like blood relatives with. Exactly. No, I, 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 I mean, like, like I said, you, you can not be related by blood, but still consider somebody your family because they're really great friends. They've been with you in the good times and the bad times, especially in the really bad ones, you know? So, um, you know, the definition of family really has to change. But um, losing friends for that, I mean, you're right. You don't need that type of toxicity in your life. And anyone listening to this episode, guys, if somebody's giving you grief about the fact that you want to be child free or whatever choice you're making, it doesn't matter what it is and they don't agree with that, and they make you feel like shit about it, just drop them. You don't need that, that type of uh, negativity in your life. Absolutely. And I will say that I mourned it. I mourned that loss. Um, we are, I guess, technically still friends on Facebook, but like we don't hang out or interact really at all. Um, and I'm happier for it. I mean, once, once I was able to kind of shed that, because me hanging on to that would have been me accepting that part and being guilty about not having about this decision that I made, which per, I think is a very personal decision. And Absolutely. It's no, it's nobody's business. Like they have no right to judge me or anything. I mean, this is a personal decision, just like having a child is a personal decision. Like it's some things people just need to not mess with. You're listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. So you decided you wanted to be child-free since you were born? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I, never, I never really had that desire to have kids. Um, I love children. It has nothing to do with whether or not I like kids. Um, it's just that I've just never had that desire to like make one. <laughs> like yeah. I could be around kids. I have a good time with kids. I just don't want to have a, a child myself. 
Yeah, I, I understand that. But so did you play with dolls? What do you used to play when you were a kid? Because no, most girls, we get dolls shoved on our face. <laughs> like, ah, oh, here's the baby doll. And you're like, oh yeah, because, and you play house and, oh my God, we need to change that. But that's a whole different conversation. But so what did you do when you were a kid? How did you play? I mean, I had, yeah, I mean, it's funny because I had one doll and, um, but I wasn't super into it. And I would like build the forts and stuff, but I was always kind of like the project manager, which is ironic now because that's <laughs> a lot of what I do is help people with like projects and stuff. Like, but when I think about it, I realize now that I was sort of like, oh, and then like to make that house tent, like this is what we need to do. Like I was always trying to like lead the stuff and like do the things um, and be the president <laughs> or whatever. But I wasn't like super into like being the mom. Like I, I don't really have a lot of memories of that. And I get it. You're the bossy kid. I was the bossy kid too. <laughs> Bossing kids around. I mean, I was, I was nice and the boss. Like, I, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I, yeah, I mean, it just has never really held a lot of interest for me. And I would say that even like the authors that I liked, you know, all of the, all of the things, like the people that were most interesting to me, you know, I mean, they, all these women kind of fell into that same category. And that's not to say that because there are amazing women who've had a lot of children and oh, yeah. have done really great things. Mm. It's just the people that I would gravitate toward naturally um, chose a lifestyle that was also similar to mine. Sure. Can you give us some examples of that? Oh, man, I knew that that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is very interesting. I want to learn. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I mean, gosh, let me let me just think about that for a minute. Um Man, you'd think that if I'm going to make a comment like that, I would just have a list. Like, a list <laughs> Take your time. Don't worry. Um, but, you know, like if you think about it, like even like um, Elizabeth, she never had any kids. She was like born of like what Henry VIII who like beheaded all these women. And, and then she was like, yeah, no, that's that's not for me. You know, so like we're talking about I mean, there are some people who have like led revolutions, you know, like Joan of Arc you know, Queen Elizabeth, people like that, you know, and and they just never had kids. You could say, well, Joan of Arc never got that old. Uh, but with Queen Elizabeth, that was definitely a choice that she made. Um, and it, she was defying like an expectation for sure. Um, and then there've also been different writers um, that I've liked as well. I would say that certainly the story of like a Sylvia Plath who um, ultimately killed herself, you know, just because she felt so stifled by those expectations and weighed down by um, what, what those stereotypes were of being a woman, all of that kind of has like some sort of impact on how I navigate and how I think about the world and what it means to be a woman. Um, because I don't think that, I think there's space for all of us and I don't think any of us need to be diminished. I absolutely agree. There is space for all of us. And on this note, um, I, you know, and I'm sure it's, it's your case as well. I honor and I respect everyone's choices. If you want to have kids, have them. If you want to have five, have them. If you want to have 10 or zero, I don't care. It's, it's, your, it's your life. Same. But when people start meddling and having an opinion about somebody else's choices, somebody else's life, then that makes me really angry because usually these are the same people who don't like other people to have an opinion about their own lives. Mm-hmm. Well, nobody likes that, but <laughs> in the end, they're the ones that are the most offensive about it. <laughs> yeah, I would say that, um, and I, I'm trying to think of how I phrased it before. I find that the people who are the most upset 
and that would be about anything, whether we're talking about, um, you know, sexual orientation, whether or not somebody has kids, um, or even like if you like the color blue and somebody takes offense to that. Most of the time when somebody gets really upset about a decision or a lifestyle or, um, you know, in the case of like gender, I mean, people love who they love, <laughs> sexual orientation, regardless of of whether it's just inherently who you are, whether it's a choice, the people who are the most upset are the people who are actually seeking validation for the own, the choices that they've made in their own lives. It has nothing to do with you. It's actually a reflection of themselves. And once I started to realize that and navigate my life like that, um, I kind of just stopped paying a lot of attention to um, all of the yelling and, and the people who disagreed. Yeah. You just need to let that slide. I I mean, it's hard because sometimes people, I mean, it's still just kind of, it's like, don't poke the bear. Like why, why you got to say that, you know? Uh, But at the same time, you know, if it just, it just reflects poorly on them and I I do what I can to let it go. Yeah. You know what I think? I think when, when you get, you know, that first comment or push, whatever it is, I, I often find myself thinking I need to be compassionate about this person because this person is either very ignorant or they have a very, uh, very bad problem in their own lives. And they need to, you know, like you said, reflect mm-hmm. that with other people. So I'm going to cut them some slack. The first one of the second time, <laughs> there's no slack cutting there. Um, yeah, because boundaries, you know, boundaries are important. Absolutely. And, and oftentimes I think about how, how narrow of a life they must lead if certain things are such a big deal. I mean, they must be upset all the time. Yeah. If the fact that I'm not having kids is that big of a deal, <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> like, I, I know. <laughs> check yourself a little bit, you know, like I got, you know, you, you got to have more things to think about than that. Yeah. And I think the same is true about like a lot of things in life. If, if you're not able to accept and explore and embrace um, diversity and equity and, you know, any lifestyle that people want to lead, as long as it's not doing harm, uh, man, you gotta, you gotta do some self-examination there. Absolutely. Okay. Let's talk about something more cheery. Um, (laughs) let's talk about you as a consultant. You also have a podcast. I really want to know, because this is the thing though, the thing that you wrote that I, I found it was hilarious because it's true. And at the same time, it's like, how do we get people to understand this? You know how we hear all the time that oh, you're child-free, you must have a lot of time on your hands. And like, you know, people think we're just like, you know, (laughs) just on the floor, you know, just looking up and just scratching ourselves or something. Um, But (laughs) you are over, you said I'm overworked because I don't have kids, right? Uh So I'm the same, like, but I love it. I love it so much. And and so I want to hear about what makes you tick. What are you passionate about? Oh, wow. You know, and it's funny because I, I recently had a guest on my podcast. My podcast is called Women Conquer Business. And we were talking about kind of the flip side of the, the you know, I don't want to stay in like a negative spot, but like that also permeates into your work life as well. And we talked about it on a recent show, how if you don't have kids um, and you're still a woman, you may still make less money. Um, but then everybody thinks you have all this time to put in all this overtime. So that was actually kind of one of the reasons why I decided to leave the corporate life and start my own business was I was like, hey, I can like do my own thing and not put in extra time just because I don't have kids. Like that's, I'm not cool with that, you know? And so what I do is I help women business owners 
um, amplify their voice through um, leadership and like I said, project management. So a lot of project planning and then digital marketing. I'm a frequent speaker on the topic of digital marketing in the local space um, for uh, brick and mortar businesses and businesses who really want to make a name for themselves in their local communities. So I, you know, I just love keeping myself busy. I mean, I didn't leave my corporate job so that I could do less. <laughs> in some ways, I like to do even more. So I have a very active blog. I have an active podcast that comes out every week. Um, and then, like I said, I do a lot of speaking and I help a lot of local businesses and small businesses. And then I have clients that are kind of scattered all over the country. Um, and then in my in my private life, I have a dog who is a Boston Terrier that is just nuts. I mean, he just is so active. That, like, you know, we're constantly going hiking. Uh, we're about an hour and a half from the, the Pacific Ocean here. So we go to the coast and just play with him like endlessly. So it's really kind of a, a work hard, play hard kind of situation where I love to, to get out and be outside in nature and then exercising. And then at the same time, you know, running this business that for some reason, I just keep adding, you know, the things that I like to do, you know, a podcast and now speaking. And then I've always been a pretty avid writer. So, I mean, I, I do fill my time a lot and uh, I'm working on filling more of my time with family time because uh, as an entrepreneur, it can really eat away at like spending time with the people you love. Uh, so I am spending more and more time um, with the people that I love doing the things that are fun <laughs> that aren't just about building a business. Well, that sounds a lot like me, except I have <laughs> my dog is uh, with it. And he is the fastest couch potato in the world. Because if you didn't know this, whippets don't need a lot of exercise. People think they do because they run really fast. This guy sleeps like 18 hours per day. So he's a, it's a breeze. <laughs> but yeah, but keeping myself busy is one of my favorite things. Today is actually a public holiday in Colombia. And I have been working okay. my ass all day because this is what I live for. Instead of, you know, scratching my balls or whatever, <laughs> whatever people think we do. <laughs> yeah. So what are some of the things that you like to do? Like, so what were you, what were you doing today on your, what oh, you that, I was like, working on, I was working on the podcast. I was editing some podcast uh, episodes. I was, you know, just, just, there's so many things going around in my head and I have all this, um, this projects uh, going on and some, some that I want to start. So it's just like organizing everything it makes me really happy. It's the kind of thing that I wake up in the morning for, you know? So, yeah. I know it was the same way. So like right before we were talking, so like I had a couple of client calls and then I was like, oh, I got a half an hour. What am I going to do? And I like laid out this big calendar and I started planning out my podcast all the way through to August. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, what am I doing? You know? <laughs> um, but it, but it's great. You know, it feels good to kind of get all that stuff kind of charted out. Think about, you know, the topics and all of that, there's always something fun like that to do. And um, so, no, I mean, it's great. That's great. Yeah. That's kind of what I do. I bounce from like thing to thing and get a lot of stuff done and then um, come up with new, new things to do. So now our newest thing is that we're going to go to the beach every month and like um, just spend a lot of time like collecting sand dollars and spending time together and running the dog until he falls over because that makes him the most happy. <laughs> so, um, Boston Ter I mean, Boston Terriers will also sleep for 18 hours, but those like six hours that they are awake are like, you have to exercise them or they get pretty, I don't know, like, uh, 
agitated, almost like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> super agitated and just sort of like Audi. So we have to run him to death. Um, I wish he was more like a whippet sometimes or, and I've heard the same thing about um, greyhounds too, that yeah. greyhounds are the same way. Mm, yeah. You know, they, they, cause isn't a whippet kind of like a greyhound? Like, yeah. It's a medium sized greyhound. The same family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I've heard that they're all like a bunch of retired athletes. Like they're like, Oh, I'm going to run for a minute and then I'm just going to crash out. Absolutely. Yeah. They like sprinting. <laughs> so if I go for a run with my dog, most of the time I end up carrying him back home because he'll just, absolutely like stop walking and you'll be like no more this is too much <laughs> so he likes doing the zoomies we call them like sprinting and that and then he does two yeah, or three yeah. and then that's it and then he falls asleep for six hours that's what he does so it's fun <laughs> yeah no with my dog we actually have to stop him we'll be like you don't need any more because he'll like probably he would probably probably run until he passed out <laughs> Yep, they are high, strong, energy, energetic little dogs, but they're so cute. Yeah, so well, cute. Jen, it's been such a pleasure to have you in my podcast. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. But before I let you go, is there anything else you would like to add to our interview? No, um, I would say that, you know, if you want to talk to more, if you want to listen to other podcasts, I do have the Women Conquer Business podcast and you can find it um, at womenconquerbusiness.com. Um, and if you want to learn more about me, um, I have a website that's jenmcfarland.com. But it's awesome. been great. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. So guys, I'm going to leave you Jen's uh, contact information or website podcast in the description of this episode so you can go and check it out. Thanks again for your time. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, continue fueling your inner fire.